0: Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez.
1: Welcome back and thank you for listening to episode 230 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez, and today we're going to talk about stuff, (laughs) mainly UFC 285 stuff. Now, Victor does have a particularly spicy topic for the end of the show, but the bulk of the show is going to be to discuss the amazing card that was UFC 285, but first, Vic... How's it going? Did did you have a good fight weekend because I saw you up way past your bedtime.
2: I yeah, so I had a uh one of the rarest things, uh the opportunity to watch an event live, at least the main card. So that was actually pretty fun. Uh went to the Philadelphia Flower Show. It was really amazing. Uh I'd been wanting to go for years. I hadn't you know really made the time for it but that was super cool and great fun for uh, being there with bug and then on top of that at the suggestion of one stephanie gertrude haynes uh i started watching the last of us and uh, i'm halfway through season one really good man really good i've uh i've, I've been very pleasantly surprised with how they've handled things and uh, adapting uh things from the game to, to the actual show so uh all in all not a bad weekend it's been pretty decent
1: Okay. I've got a couple of things. One, I'm going to add a little something special to the rest of your weekend that has extended into Monday. And that is that you came in first again. You are leading the standings by more than one. You turned in a perfect card. Perfect. You got every single pick. And that's unusual because we picked seven fights and you got all seven of them right.
2: This is why I need to start gambling. The problem is, I start gambling, I'm not going to win. That's when my picks are going to turn to dust.
1: <laughs> now, the other thing I have to ask you, since you've started watching Last of Us, and how many episodes in are you? Three or four?
2: I think five.
1: Five. So you've seen the... the, the, the uh, okay, yes. H- how many times have you cried?
2: You know, so far, so far, none. But <gasps> I've had just a few of like... You know, those deep exhale moments of like, oh, man, you know, because here's the problem, right? You have an ice block in your chest. I understand that the game, (laughs) right? It's a guy and a teenager. Okay, that's the game. That is it. If anyone else tags along, prepare to have your heart broken. Mm -hmm. And I mean, kind of a spoiler for the show, but that kind of ends up being the dynamic on the show. Like it's, you know, you you get your hopes up, you get a little attached. It's like, "Mm." but you know, what I do respect and love most about it is that they really get you invested in understanding the motivations and the lives of some of these characters. So when someone bites it, it's like, Damn, you know, you really do feel that because there was something really, um, truly lovely about some of these people Mm -hmm. here. And that's, that's the greatest loss. I think that's the real great pain that that show creates. And it's the fact that, man, look at, look at in a world of ruin. Mm -hmm. Look at what could be possible. Look at what kind of people can still flourish and still, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, there, there is something, I don't know. I don't know what to call that. I'm sure the Germans have a word for it, but it's, uh, I, I just, I find it endlessly intriguing.
1: I find it like I'm in an abusive relationship with HBO because well, my God. I mean,
2: it's not like watching The Walking Dead because The Walking Dead, a show that I never watched, by the way, uh, I, I started watching one of the early episodes in season one, and I just sort of lost interest. But every weekend, it was the same thing. It was everyone. On Twitter, screaming about how much they hated the show and how they were going to watch the week after.
1: Oh no! This I don't is get that different. here. This is different. That one, yeah. they didn't have the character development in such a short span. I mean, they fully fleshed out characters in one single episode where you're introduced to a character, uh, given some backstory, watch their interactions in current times, and then kill them off all in one episode. And it's the most fully fleshed out character where that people are talking emmy award for one time for one episode characters Mm -hmm. you know i mean the very second episode a major character dies i was like come on really are you kidding me every week it rips my heart out
2: I think I just sort of subconsciously hit on that thing about that. It's these two people more than anything else. And I, I kind of just never, never really got out of me. that groove. So a lot of this stuff doesn't really surprise me, but the manner in which it happens, it's like, yeah. Oh man, this is, I, I just got through one. That was just such
1: a gut punch. Oh I yes. Just, I know uh, the one. Yeah. I know the one that you watched, oh, but God. um, yeah, the, especially for you. Yes. yes. But yes. um. I, I tell you what it's it's a it's a lesson in an emotional um management definitely because i'm sitting there and i'm like i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna cry this is mm-hmm. gonna be the episode i don't cry god damn it i'm crying <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like it's like the hbo ghost of sorrow sneaks up behind you with a baseball bat and whacks you in the knee ah
1: Dr. Vinci oh like
2: no just, and now you're sobbing like oh god damn it. oh it's you know, not like,
1: even a baseball bat to the knee it's like a main line of emotional stress it's just awful but I love the show Um, I hope they get all the Emmys I really do because I'm it,
2: just glad they're turning a great performance I'm just glad it's not another you know they're just relying on the zombies for fear exactly. like you barely there's episodes you'll barely see mm-hmm. any of the undead and that is perfect yep that yep. is perfect because the tone that it's trying to set again if you played the game might be a bit of a surprise but it makes sense and i like that no one is indestructible or unkillable or you know no it's it's dope it's great
1: yeah and that's the thing too that for me is probably really awesome is that i've never played the game i know nothing about it and i intentionally kept it that way i've been tempted to go and play since i've been watching but i'm not gonna but anyways we must move on. Good, good combo on that. I'm so glad you started watching. <laughs> now I have somebody else that I could commiserate with. There you All go. right. So. Time to look at UFC 285. We did do an abbreviated breakdown yesterday on Care, Don't Care. But for the purposes of this show, we're going to go a, a little further in. Um, we're not going to review all of the fights, just the, the the pertinent ones, probably the ones that we picked. But th- there, there was a, a couple extras in there that bear mentioning. So I'm going to start at the top. With John Jones and Cyril gone and the speed with which John Jones dispatched Cyril gone was amazing. But uh, the picture that is floating around of John and it looks like he's saying shush, you know, like shh. But he's Mm -hmm. not doing that. Eugene told me that he was pointing to God. And the way that the picture, the way that they zoomed in, it almost looks like he's doing the shush thing because of the angle of the phone.
2: Yeah, yeah. But
1: behind him is Cyril gone still on the canvas and he's looking at him and his mouth is hanging open. And he has this expression on his face that says to me, but I called time out
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I just, wow. I was not expecting Johnny to look that good. I really wasn't because, Mm. you know, he didn't look good in his last couple of fights. He's had this long layoff. He's had all the problems. And then, you know, they, they show the guys that he's training with. And you know what? I... I'm guilty of what a lot of other people were doing and going, Wow, you know, Mo Green and Walt Harris, come on, Jorgen DeCastro, come on. It's got he's gotta have some better bodies in there than that. You know what? They they prepped him pretty goddamn good, at least for Cyril Gone, anyways. I realize heavyweight is very shallow, <laughs> and that is why. Dan Henderson and Randy Couture were able to move up and thrive because of how shallow it is. But at the same time, I mean, you got to give him his flowers for what he did in the cage Saturday night. I do not have a single nice thing to say about him outside of that. But what he does inside the cage is pretty remarkable. Yeah, he had a couple of bad fights the, the last two, but maybe... We're seeing something in that he's not having to uh, make brutal cuts anymore. So maybe we're seeing a a more rejuvenated and uh, and fully, fully physically functional, you know, in full fight shape. I don't know. I just, I feel like we haven't seen Johnny look that good in a long time. Again, it's heavyweight. Cyril Gahn isn't the most experienced guy, but that's my view on it. Victor, let's hear yours.
2: I am going to throw some gasoline on this bitch. Do we need to give John Jones credit for winning that fight? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did he fight smart and do what he needed to do to mm-hmm. win? Yes. However, OK, mm. you got to admit it wasn't a really great fight. I mean, for what it for what it was for, you know, for a very short fight, I know it sounds a little dumb at first, but hear me out. OK, the situation is you got a guy who was out of the game for as long as he was. He looked a little off with his timing, with the striking, but he got things you know going and then he managed to get the body lock. And what does gone do? He looks away like, wait, he can do that. He could just straight up hug me. Then he gets dragged out of the ground with a pretty ugly-looking takedown. And then he gets caught in a choke. He barely defends it. Then Johnny sits up and readjusts and slaps it another way. Then he really doesn't defend it. Look, this isn't a matter of me shitting on Jones so much as it is a matter of me shitting on how poorly prepared, Cyril gone. Mm -hmm. It is unacceptable Mm -hmm. for a man who's been in this game for as long as he has, for someone who has had the trajectory that he's had. Are we not training grappling in that gym? Are we not understand? He just sat there. Oh, what do I do with my hands? (laughs) This is the French brain. In action. this is what it does francis <laughs> cameroonian this would have never happened to fucking francis not once would francis have ever done it. he would have thought well shit i gotta readjust i said it before what did what did francis do when he lost to stipe he managed he reinvigorated himself he surrounded himself with wrestlers and guess what he's never going to get caught that same way again you are not going to catch that man with his pants down the same way twice cyril nah man nah this this ain't it bro This ain't it. This is not you this the damage that he has done, the fall, the tumble that his stock has taken. Mm -hmm. It's one and and here's the problem too. People are gonna be like, well, it was John Jones who's a masterful wrestler. Bitch, I don't that this didn't have to be him. It could have been Cody McKenzie catching him with the (laughs) McKenzie team. You understand? You see what I'm saying though, right? Like, I'm not insane. This is not that was not, no, you don't, you like it was it was short, and of course you can't have too many expectations for a short fight. But for a short fight, it was pretty yeah, it was bowling shoe ugly. And then on top of that, on top of that, it's like yeah, congratulations he he won his heavyweight debut, he got the belt, beautiful stuff. He was in there with the, in in the cage with his family, with his former fiance, and that's another thing that we're gonna have to talk about at some point down the line. And yet, and yet for all this, we're not looking at the fact like yeah, but look at what you did, look at who it was against. You know, this was not insurmountable odds. This was not against somebody who was fighting that thing tooth and nail. If you had had a guy who had trained, if if Gunn had given this a third of the preparation that Volkanovsky gives when he's fighting a grappler, you think that would have played out the same way? Mm-mm. He would have made John work at least. He would have made John struggle at yep. least. He would have, It would not have been that easy. But he just sat there. He just sat there, one hand on the forearm, the other hand on the floor. What are you waiting for? Move the fuck out the way. I mean, it's just, it's so, uh, God, especially as a grappler. Like, bro, I, as a lowly blue belt, should not be more in tune with how to get out of that situation than you, a professional fighter who makes money doing this who does this for a living, who has made this his sole thing in life. You can't do that. And so, you know, yeah, this fight irked me to no end. And it just, you know, I I don't, I I just have a major disagreement with people that want to treat this like it was a, a flawless technical masterpiece. It wasn't. It wasn't. You drag the guy to the ground and he grapples like a bum. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> care. Gone has pretty good submissions on the offensive end, but he was clueless to deal with a Greco guy, and then he on just on the ground just sat there. You don't think there's a bit of a problem with that? I, I, I'm, I'm baffled as to why he's not getting more stick over this.
1: Well, he definitely needs to abandon that camp. He's been faithful to that camp and to kickboxing camp. Come on. They're not doing you any favors over there. You need to get with an ATT, an AKA, somebody like that. Or at least bring
2: in more, you know, bring in better grapplers at least. Yeah, I know they got them. The Europeans, this whole thing, like the joke about like, oh, English wrestling, ha, ha, ha. That shit is dead now. Okay. Leon Edwards told when, he, when I, it's a shameless plug, when I interviewed Leon Edwards years ago, he said, we don't have to go to the U.S. anymore. We got everything we need here. You just got to look. And he's right. Mm-hmm. He's right. You will find wrestlers that will go to the U.K. You will find jujitsu guys that live in the U.K. And I'm sure, look. Francis, is what? A hop, skip, and a jump away? You can get there on a unicycle. He could cross the water. It's shallow. Cyril could make it. He could do that. Join, go to London Shoe Fighters with Marcin Held. Ta-da. Have him go to you. Ta-da. See? Look at this. Look at this right here. Me, some unwashed asshole sitting in his, in, in his home in Pennsylvania, is already coming up with solutions. What, is, what are you paying your team for if they can't do this for you? What is going on here? that makes no sense to me that that just this is just the the, the, it's such a massive disappointment to me and i understand a lot of people will disagree a lot of people want to say oh jones jones is the greatest of all time for what he did really we really want to look at strength of schedule and opposition based off this Mm -hmm. off this performance all right i guess
1: (laughs) you know what's what sucks is that cyril has a lot of potential you know and he's also Mm. young and we have i think what you're so angry about is we had high hopes for him. We did. Yeah. Seems like a nice person, a dynamic, had some, some good finishes. And then, you know, we thought, okay, it's hard to get past Francis and gone. he's the greatest, you know, he's right. Right. So when, when Jones comes in and, and, and he has the history that he has over the past few years of course, we're thinking. Well, you weren't thinking it at all, and that's what's really funny is to hear your diatribe and know that you picked Jones all along.
2: <laughs> exactly, right? But like, yeah. geez, I didn't expect
1: this. Exactly. Like
2: I keep saying, it. it's it is the French brain. Mm-hmm. He did not think defense. He thought wine and onions and perversions of sex. That's all. That's what the French brain does. They all turn left at some point. That's not what it was supposed <laughs> to happen, Cyril. You wait to pull that gear until you don't know you hold off on that till after the fight. No, no, no. That's not what he did. There you go.
1: All right. So we're gonna move into the co-main event. And this was a wonderful fight, but it was something I don't think anyone saw coming except for Victor.
2: Wait, 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 wait. wait. Hold hold, hold on a second. second. Let me get one more in right quick. Ready? Ready? There you
1: go. (laughs) That's what I'm looking for. So At first, you were like, Valentina's going to win. And then at the last moment, you were like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Alexa. That's right. So there wasn't a rhyme or reason in that pick. Other than you had a gut feeling. And I like that. You had a gut feeling and you went with it. Alexa Grasso looked, wow. She was on fire in there. And not only you know, you were talking about how Francis didn't get caught with his pants down a second time. And I look at Grasso and what is the criticism that everyone has given her since day one? She doesn't have a grappling game, but you know what she's been doing? She's been working her ass off on her grappling game. And first she gets a very similar submission to what she got on Valentina on Jojo Calderwood or, uh, excuse me, Jojo Wood. And here she's replicated almost the same thing again in more dynamic fashion. And to add to that, her boxing, which was always just beautiful, is even better. It's getting better as well. It's crisper. It's harder too. She is hitting with impact now. It's like she's grown into her body. And also, her body has changed a little bit too. She's yeah. leaned out through the center quite a bit. It looks like she's just been drilling lots and lots of cardio. I never saw her breathe deep. I never saw her breathing out of her mouth. She never got winded, excited, anything. Valentina was wended by the third round. She was getting tattooed. Those punches weren't in any danger at first of putting her down, but they were. They opened up a cut, and they were making her want to get the fuck away from them because they were stinging the shit out of her. Yeah. And I feel like after the third round, <clears throat> when she finally got her groove going back again, I feel like it was a, a constant state of panic for her, though, because she'd already hit panic mode, which was probably why she was already gassed by three. I want to hear your take on just what I've said so far.
2: So here's my thing, right? Seeing Alexa since the infected days. Mm-hmm. My thing with her was always not so much grappling, but wrestling specifically. Her defensive wrestling had always been a thing. And we saw her get taken down quite a bit yes. in this fight, too. Yep. Her grappling in terms of submission grappling mm. has always been really, really good. The problem is that creating certain opportunities, especially from guard, gets a lot tougher, especially when, it, when you're looking at the MMA meta, meta game. Um, some people struggle, you know. Every couple of years, and I've complained about this too. Every couple of years, some jujitsu guy comes out, close guard is dead, and you're like, all right, buddy, whatever. You know, it's it's just a thing. But in a way, it's it's there is some foundation to that declaration, and that is the fact that it's not optimal for people to stay in that spot because guys that have been really good at fighting from the guard, starting way back from the Tito days really learned how to figure that out and and maximize it to a degree where it's much more appealing to the judges and you do more damage longer term it's a lot harder for the guy on the bottom to get away with a lot of the stuff because of the way that fighters have been taught and trained to deal with the guard so you know when it comes to that fine but her submission game offensively Pretty freaking great, man. Mm-hmm. And she showed it. Her boxing being crisper than ever, absolutely 100% agree. Her conditioning looks much better. And Valentina, what did I say before? Everybody gets figured out. Yeah. Hours and hours and hours, especially when you're someone who spends so much time in the cage, mm-hmm. so many five rounders. Everyone's going to pick up on your tendencies. What does she start doing when she's tired? What does she start doing when she starts getting tagged up? What do her reactive takedowns look like? And where does she tend to turn? To, to turn to finish it what does she do once she's in top position all these things are there and they're figured out they're laid out for a reason
1: if i may just for a moment i just want to jump in for one quick second she was more figured out on the ground than yeah. She was up top because we've never really seen anybody tattoo her like Alexa did. Not even no. Amanda did that. No. Everybody always like when she had when she lost the round to Jennifer Maya, it was on the ground. And Tyler Santos was wrecking her on the ground. Yes. But Alexa did something that we haven't seen anybody else do. And that was really take it to her on the feet to her face i mean she was just nailing her almost everything was landing
2: well that's the thing i I posted a picture Mm -hmm. of alexa nailing valentina with a left hand i I think it it was yeah Yeah, and I'm like, uh, I don't know how many people expected that to happen. When she started getting the better of her in those exchanges and making her look like a punch-out character, Mm -hmm. mm, I was like, yeah, I I don't think I've seen anybody crack her like this, not ever.
1: But her own own striking game is really good, so we've never seen anybody hang with her striking-wise like that.
2: Yeah, I— yeah, I I totally 100% agree and I'm I would love to hear more. I'd love to hear Alexa discuss what mm-hmm. her training camp looked like and what they um what they were focusing on in terms of like you know what what they were targeting, uh what they saw, what they noticed and what they decided to capitalize on because it's like It it was it wasn't flawless. She took some hits, too. But I mean, come on, look at who she fought. Good God. You didn't expect her to win. A lot of people didn't. And man, that's this is another beautiful. uh, I don't want to say it's a Cinderella story necessarily, but it's like, damn, a very unlikely underdog coming up. And what a deserving champion. Right. That's that's brilliant.
1: Yep. All right. So we're going to get to Shavkat Rachmanov defeating Jeff Neal. That was a great fight. Jeff Neal did not lose anything in that fight because he put up a sterling performance and that shot that wobbled Shavkat in, in, in that final round. Okay. That was a one hitter quitter that would have starched Anyone else. That's the shot that all of his knockouts come from. So for Shavkat to take that, and this is the most impressive thing, and I've said it a couple of times since Saturday night, but the most impressive thing to me by far with Shavkat is he took a one hitter quitter. He did not touch the floor, he got wobbled. He righted himself, he recovered, and he was back in there and had hit his stride again. All in the span of about 20 seconds. It is phenomenal. And I don't mm-hmm. think I've seen anybody at all with recoverability like that. I mean, I would have to go all the way back to Fedor and Randleman when Fedor got dumped directly on his neck and almost immediately just bounces. I mean, I think only the span of about two seconds of, hey, I think I might have got dumped on my head, but boom, I'm all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's, that's how far back I have to go to find that kind of recoverability. It's insane.
2: It is insane. And you know what? I mean, uh, Rakhmadov to his credit, he doesn't get hit much. Uh, I don't think he's ever been rocked by a shot like that. I do have questions as to how many of those he's going to be able to eat before he starts really feeling them and getting, you know, the, the, the desired effect takes place, right? Where he isn't just wobbled. He actually falls over. Uh, But now at least, Hey, listen. He took on one of the hardest, if not the hardest, guys in that division. That mm-hmm. you know, one of the, the the heaviest strikers, and he ate those. Yep. Um. You should be afraid if you're in that division. I mean, how do you stop a guy like that? It's I mean, tough, man. To
1: get that submission, he choked out a dude that is just a bull in there. You know, I mean to tell you that the wow what a what a performance and yes i know there were some moments in there where that you know he could have avoided this or done that but i mean the guy is still caught on the i mean my goodness he's so young and he's just so full of raw talent it's yeah man i just love and i loved that he gave joe rogan the hat Mm-hmm. uh I, I can't remember the the exact name of it, Papaha. but I, I know it's it's a traditional uh headpiece and i mean and that it was probably something deep for him to do that yeah but uh I just thought that was really fucking cool too i mean I'm I'm so enamored of Shavkat's style. I mean, on the current roster right now, Robbie Lawler will always be my favorite fighter of all time. He sits on a pedestal all by himself. But the current crop of fighters, the ones that have my eyeballs right now, him, Jack Della Maddalena, um, Tyler Santos, there's just some very bright stars that really are shining <laughs> man
2: you know what you know what i feel like it's unfortunate with now you mentioned jack Dylan and i promise you this will be brief um i i feel like there's a marketing opportunity mm-hmm. that no one is taking advantage of with him What's and that? it would be really cool if they rewrote the lyrics of the macarena oh, to
1: the with Madeline. his
2: name in it and he walks out to it <laughs> hey listen if you can stick with that poser ass kid rock having cowboy as the uh as the walkout song for Cerrone, for, you know, good God, after well after Kid Rock's sell-by date and popularity and purchase in the uh, cultural uh, sphere, you can do this for him. Come on. I'm sure he'd appreciate it. He seems like a good egg. Yes.
1: All right. Real quick, Mateo Scamrot, Jalen Turner. Mm. You know I tell the truth. I thought Jalen Turner won, and it's not just because I picked him. Because you know – I will say if, if I pick someone and I don't think they won, even if they won, I will say it. But I do feel that Jalen Turner did more than, than Mateo Scamron in there.
2: Hmm. I do. I, I felt I felt it was close enough to me not being upset.
1: Oh, I wasn't upset either. I definitely well, felt it was super close. But yeah. I, I did, you know, I, I didn't look at that and say, hmm. I yeah, no, I can see, yeah. I, can see you I, I looked at it and I said, it. hmm.
2: I just more than anything, I just so f- felt so bad for J G- Like, dude, uh, you know, when they announced the matchup, I'm like, yeah, mm, I don't know, man. It's going to be hard to look good against uh, Gamrot, and the judges are, you know, again, Gamrot's one of those guys like what Conor Reber says, right? One of the great bullshitters of the game. He just mm-hmm. he fights in a style and in, in a way that the judges love, and they will reward certain things. Yeah. And that's just the reality of things. It's not even like, you know, it's he's not cheating or anything. He's not doing no, anything yeah, uh, undue yeah. or immoral. Some guys just fight the way they fight. And that was just that. And Turner, man, that, that dude's got a really bright future ahead yeah. of him. This is another one of those fights where it's like, we're probably going to see those two again down the line. And they're going to be in far better positions than they are now. And it's going to be wild. You're going to be like, yo, those two guys fought ages ago you remember that shit and people are gonna be like oh yeah that's right it's gonna be one of those man this was such a um it was a bit of a lot you know I, I don't like seeing either one of these guys lose when yep. when it's a fight like this you know how I am
1: yep I and I like them both uh Jalen Turner very graceful in defeat Matteo Scamrock very graceful in victory I mean I didn't have a problem with the fight at all I just had it slightly this was um, to me um <clears throat> especially the third round. It just I don't know, it just seemed like sort of a battle of inches there a little bit, and um, uh, you know Matteo got the inches there i I thought it was Jalen, but it just ever so slightly, you know it just, uh, it it really was just ever so slightly, but anyways
2: no i I just think it's great that you know you you're talking about how he's got the inches there. I'd like to hear more.
1: <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Like
2: Now the podcast started. Now I got to hear some shit. Let's go.
1: (laughs) Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel defeated Jamie Pickett. And you know what? I got to take my hat off to Jamie Pickett for surviving as long as he managed in such terrible quarters. Um, There was also what looked to be a groin shot in there. And a lot of people online were pointing that out. And I also saw a few people say that it's not the first time. Now, I am going to have to ask you that because I've not seen him do that before, have you?
2: I don't remember seeing that before. Me either. I'd have to. I'd have to go back. I yeah. mean, I, look. I'm, I could always be wrong. I suppose.
1: And maybe they but, were referring to his wrestling days. I don't know. But yeah, it was- that,
2: I was going to wonder. Yeah, I was wondering if that's that was maybe what they might have been alluding to because I don't. Again, I mean, I I mean, I saw his contender series fights, both of them. Previewed both of them. Um, I don't remember that shit.
1: Yeah. So I was. I was curious about that. Did you think? He landed it illegally. He says it was on the thigh. I looked, and from the one angle that is floating around, it's it's a straight-on angle, and so you can't really see exactly yeah. where it lands. So I can't tell.
2: Yeah, me neither. I wasn't able to tell at all. And I and I looked. I'm like,
1: I'm just I don't gonna know, man. assume that it didn't it didn't land there because I can't see it myself.
2: Well, my, my question is, do you believe Jamie Pickett when he says that he had no idea who the guy was and he just signed for the fight anyway? Yeah. Wow.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. A lot of
1: people in MMA don't follow wrestling very closely. Um, A lot of these guys, uh, you know, that that they're leading their lives and they're not paying attention to this stuff. I know one thing that always shocks me is how, how many fighters don't actually watch fights. Like, they'll watch tape, but they don't actually watch fights for entertainment. Now, obviously, a lot of them do. But it just shocks me when I come across one that I don't watch the fights. Some guys
2: guys don't even train until they have to uh, fight. And then they uh, end up in a heavyweight title fight. And, you know, (laughs) they end up, oh, 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 oh," and (laughs) shit just goes. I don't know, man. It's just weird.
1: Oh, my goodness. So we're going to move on. Now, we didn't pick this fight, but I I feel like we must address it just ever so briefly. Cody Garbrandt, Trevin Jones. Cody Garbrandt, Trevin Jones was a terrible fight. It was awful to watch. Cody Garbrandt just barely eking out that decision. I know it was unanimous, but I feel like Trevin Jones made, made him work so hard for that fight. Much harder than he should have ever had to work for that fight. Do you know Cody Garbrandt is only 31 years old?
2: Ah, boy, he sure as hell don't fight like it.
1: Thirty-one years old. His, Thirty-one. His his career was like twenty-two seconds long. I think. <laughs> well, you know,
2: here's the thing. He had, and once again, once again, big shout out to my guy Ocelot MMA. Look him up. He's doing amazing threads. He's doing amazing work, and and he uh prior to these uh, larger events not even the large events just prior to an event he's really good at setting up these threads to let you know who these cats are and why they're a big deal and the Cody you know I just I kind I got sad looking at that thread last week man it's like damn look at look at how good Cody was coming up and how somehow i guess myself and other people we all Sort of wrote him off. Like, yeah, he's doing great, but what's gonna happen when he fights a guy like this or a guy like that? You know, can he maintain that momentum? Is he really gonna be able to do it? Is he is he capable? Man, dude, reached the mountaintop, man. But something weird happens. These guys, they 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 just you know they either uh, they either flame out for whatever reason, or again they get maybe they get figured out. Maybe they just don't learn from certain tendencies and habits. Now I noticed something really interesting. I saw Dewey Cooper in his corner. I didn't realize that Garbrandt, <gasps> really? is he, is, is he no longer an alpha male guy? Cause that's kind of an important thing.
1: Yeah, it is. I was yeah. wondering about that too. I yeah. figured that he had just, um, he had just, you know, how Aljamain he's been training in Vegas, but he still goes back to New York. I just figured it was something along those lines. I didn't, I didn't snap that. I didn't see. And did you see any alpha male in his corner?
2: I don't believe I, I did, no. I didn't either.
1: I'm just now – you literally jogged my memory just now. I saw Dewey, but I don't think I saw any alpha male. Wow. I'm going to oh. have to do some investigating on that. But in any event, Cody Garbrandt just – boy, you have to really match him carefully these days. And then he came out and he, he said that he had suffered a neck injury the morning Oh, gosh. Of, of yeah. course, right? Turned in a bad performance. Injury, sick, something. Turn, wow. turn in a good performance. Injury, sick, something. It's always something, whether it's good or bad, to either make make the victory seem more gigantic or to make the loss seem more justified. It's so crazy yeah. the way these fighters are. Like uh, we're not going to remember that they've said the same thing 15 other times.
2: Yeah, and and that really, that really bothered me because, like, look, I don't, I don't have any reason to doubt him or the legitimacy of any sort of problems. I know you don't either, but I mean, it's like, well, what does it say? This dude had this thing he's talking about. He's he can't feel his arm. He's feeling Mm -hmm. stingers off takedowns. Like, you shouldn't be fighting, my guy. Like, what's going on? You, you, like, this is the only way some of these cats are able to pay their bills and live a certain way and do certain things. So shit, he, you know, he's not going to say no to another payday, especially not an opponent that he thought he could handle. And he ended up doing so. I mean, that, that just it, it's another another example of the tragedies of the game.
1: Indeed. All right. So we're going to blast through most of this so we can get to our last topic. Um, Dricu Duplessis. Ooh, that fight was not pretty either. Okay, Dricu Duplessis and Derek Brunson, and for the second fight in a row, Derek Brunson's corner had to throw in the towel. Derek Brunson, it's time to wrap it up.
2: Didn't he? Didn't he say this was going to be his last fight?
1: I hope so. Good God,
2: I hope so. I hope so for his own well-being. I, I don't need to see, keep seeing this shit. He's—he's he's not, you know. I—I don't—I don't, I don't want to see these guys have to have their meals out of a straw mm-hmm. in a decade. Okay. I just don't. And gosh, I mean, you know, it's one thing for like, I don't know, Bobby Knuckles to knock him out when he did. This is, he's a different man now. Yeah. You know, he's not this, this ain't no, there's only so many of those you can, he's already cashing right. his chips off this.
1: Exactly. I'm
2: just glad they stopped that shit. Cause it didn't look like the ref was going to do it.
1: And in case you guys doubt us on, what happens later on down the road when you take a lot of punishment like this, go read a story out by about Spencer Fisher. Mm. Just go look for any story about Spencer Fisher. That's all you got to do.
2: Look for the story because exactly. there's, there's one main one and yeah. that's, that's the one.
1: It's a big one. But definitely go check that out. and. And then get back to me about how you doubt the the long-term effects and damage of fight a fighting career then
2: which just, which is a shame like how how do people still believe that in this day and age? That's like people that believe in like the death touch exactly like How do you not understand after all this time, all this research, not just in combat sports but elsewhere? Anything that involves brain trauma, like, and you're still out here. Oh, I don't know about that. Cause you heard some quack on Facebook or exactly. some other, some, some other asshole on YouTube told you that's not real, That like you could just, you know, drink a certain type of alkaline water and it'll go away. All right. Cool shit.
1: <laughs> All right. Amanda Hibosh looked amazing against Viviani Araujo. Um, what a performance. I love that girl so much. I love hearing her talk too. She's so cute.
2: Yeah. She's she's got she's got like uh She's
1: so vivacious. I
2: I, I don't know, man. She's got like um it's kinda like a really strong kid sister energy.
1: Yeah. You know you what know? she reminds me of? If I were to compare her to an inanimate object, it would be a, a freshly popped bottle of champagne.
2: <laughs> That's she's a good example. Very
1: effervescent.
2: Yes, yeah. Great attitude. And Viviana took that fight, you know, mm-hmm. she she gave it what she could, man. I mean, it was a rough one.
1: It really was. I mean, look at look at um, Amanda's face after. My goodness. Mm-hmm. All right. So then we get to uh, Marc-Andre Barrio defeating oh. Julian Marquez in round two. Jesus Christ. Good Lord. That's one of those good Lord, you know. You yeah. have the T on the end.
2: Yeah. See, when when the UFC signed Barrio off a of TKO, this is the guy that they were hoping to get.
1: Yeah, because you know we've saying? seen That's... grindy, gritty Barrio up to now.
2: Yeah. Well, he he didn't just look grindy and gritty. He, this this is this is a man who creates a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And you've got Bo Nickel coming up off the very bottom and middleweight, but you still have a sturdy guy like this that can still deliver some ass kickings in the middle. Like this is one of the few stable elements of a very, a, a division that's always fluctuating and not in the best way.
1: Right. So and we, yeah. Oh, go ahead.
2: No, no, I was done.
1: Okay. So we get to Ian Machado, Gary defeating song. Kanon. That was a good fight. He had, a moment at the end of the round of the first round, where song Kanan stunned him put him down briefly uh he recovers, manages to get the finish in the third um from the time that he recovered from from that that knockdown in the first from the second round on even in the even before the knockdown he was. Definitely owning that fight, and it looked like Song Kanon was sort of biding his time. He got he got his he got his licks in, but it was like he got. I don't know if he burned himself out or what, but coming into that second round. Ian Gary was a whole different person. I mean, he went in there. It looked like he was trying to punish him from the jump. And he mopped the floor with him for those last two rounds. He mopped the floor with him for about half of the first round and all of the second and third round. All of it.
2: I like those combinations to the head and body Mm -hmm. he was throwing.
1: He looked more complete than he's ever looked.
2: And he's only getting better. (gasps) Yeah. That's the thing. He almost had to
1: fight twice, too. <laughs> because the the um uh, he's in the parking lot getting ready to leave the event yeah. and some the idiot comes up wanting to fight him and Ian didn't even know what was going on for most of the time in that little exchange. But my god, you know, it's a good thing for that guy that Ian is a a a bubbly type himself and w- was flying high off of uh, off of a win because if it had been somebody with a meaner spirit, that <laughs> dude would have been planted.
2: Yeah, go roll up on Mike Perry like that. Exactly. Let me know how that goes. To you. Right. Go, go roll up on that on Nick Diaz. You, <laughs> see, there's a re- you see, that's the thing. People, like, sometimes some people know who they're fucking with. Yeah. Right? Like, some people just know, like, okay, let me not mess with that guy because he's crazier than I am. But this guy, like, why would you have beef with Ian Gary? Right. What did he do to you? What do you be the. What, what, forget the whole he's a trained professional and you're statistically not likely to be that. Forget that. You know, forget the fact that you're statistically unlikely. To withstand two or three of his punches to your fucking mouth. Yeah. Let's forget that for a moment. Why? Why are you doing... Why are you kicking this hornet's nest? In the name of what? Leave that guy alone, man. Let him go home and and chill out with his wife and kid. He ain't trying to fuck with you. He's trying to go home and play Halo. Fuck you.
1: Yeah. And he was like... he. Struck me as the classic bully type, big, overweight dude that probably thought his size was gonna in- intimidate the fighter or whatever. He, he looked like <laughs> a guy that was in the parking lot trying to find his keys and get get him into the into the car. He sees this guy, hey, I saw that guy fight. I bet I can beat him up. He's little.
2: I mean, my God. Well, Ian was taller than him. Ian carried, uh, yeah, got I at know. least two heads on him. And then on top of that, it's like what have these people been to an MMA gym? Have they seen how these guys train against dudes of all sizes? It's not always someone that's the same height. I just, Uh, You can't just look at a guy and think, oh, well, uh, uh, skinny little runt. I'll beat his ass. And then it's like, (laughs) that's Demetrius fucking Johnson.
1: Exactly. (laughs) That dude will be all over you and make you hurt. If he wasn't
2: the kind guy that he is, he would force feed you your spleen on a rusty spoon with no salt, you dumb motherfucker. Why are you picking? (laughs) You know what? I don't want to. Keep, I no. no. All right. I think we got enough out of me. All right. All
1: right. I got one last fight because the other fights we didn't pick and they weren't as important. Although Loic Ra- uh, Radzibov, that dude is uh, somebody I'm going to keep my eye on. Yep. I I I liked that fight. I don't know why. I thought that was a great fight to open the card with. But we must talk about Tabitha Ritchie and yes, that armbar was really nice.
2: It wasn't just the arm bar, it was the setup and everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean. Yeah.
1: And and let's not well, never mind. I was going to say something but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Okay. Um in any event, I like that uh what I'm seeing out of Tabitha Richie, she looks like she's getting better. And um girl you're beautiful yes <laughs> I saw yes, that that is, video. that is not
2: gone oh, no, is.
1: <laughs> I saw that way in video and I was like god damn I had to retweet that because mm. wow she is a knockout yeah um, and and yeah. you can look at her from any angle and <laughs> think that too you know what I'm saying <laughs> she's she's a
2: very pretty lady everywhere that's yes, there's nothing wrong indeed, with
1: that indeed so that is going to wrap up our In detail, UFC 285 review. We have spent almost an hour on it. So, now to bookend it, we are going to give you a a news story and it's a serious one. Victor's going to bring it in. Sir, do your thing.
2: All right. So, here's what's going to happen we are going to look at a little something from a publication that I personally have had more than my fair share of problems with, and that's going to be the New York Times. Generally, we don't get to speak too much about items that involve major media on an international scale or that have the form and influence that something like the New York Times has, but this is notable because of its connection to the mixed martial arts world, although it's not specifically about mixed martial arts itself. No, 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 no. This is a different situation. This is actually going to be, I'll tell you what, the title of the article Televised face slapping. What are we becoming? Look, I'm going to save you a little bit of time here and effort. The guy who wrote this comes across to me as a bit of a prude. Um, I, there are people, like for example, Fran Lebowitz and others, right? That that you know, they're 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 cultural critics. They're people that talk about culture. But you you wonder. If they're stuck somewhere in time where they're not realizing how bad certain things are around them, how the nature of humanity is perhaps different from when they were growing up or when they stopped paying attention to certain things. He uh, this is relevant and I'll get to that in a minute as to why. Okay, but we're going to look at the piece exactly. And Kurt Streeter uh, ended up talking about Power Slap. He had been, um, I guess, watching a few episodes and uh, he described it thusly, quote, an ugly undertaking masquerading as a sport, a display of pure punishment created for TV ratings, video views and money, money, money. Okay, where's the lie, though? He's absolutely right. It is not a sport. It has been treated as such. And we just heard right with the, uh, the we talked about the Robbie Barstool video with Dana White they are bringing in trainers. They're bringing in coaches. They're, you're treating it as a sport, but it's not. You're bringing this in on TBS all for more revenue. But I mean, really, what else is there of any there's nothing of any real value. This is empty calories in television form only with blunt force trauma. That's not his quote. That's me. He goes on to talk about Courtney Olsen, who is the uh, bodybuilder and fitness competitor that we remember from the viral clip. Uh, she's the one who got slapped to a point where she rolled back and then rolled forward. Uh, quote, when Olsen was struck, she lost consciousness, then fell to the stage at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas like a crunched up soda can tossed away his litter. Instantly, she told me it was lights out. She got up, but immediately fell into a forward roll. She struggled to her feet, wobbly in daze. Where am I? What am I doing here, she recalled thinking. A slow motion clip of the blow played on the TBS broadcast, her face being disfigured for a television audience of about 415,000 viewers. The camera cut to white, who watched in a room nearby, gleeful. Okay. uh, Is that really a good number, 415,000? Nope for this especially. I mean, I get it's TBS, but, but it's wait. also TBS. That's not that's not a tertiary uh channel. I mean
1: But they had a gigantic lead-in that they couldn't even capitalize on. That's the worst. That's part about what
2: I'm getting at. It. You're talking about a channel that's still kind of big and it still has the connection to Time Warner. It still has the uh lead-in and it still has the uh uh advertising on AEW Which you know, I mean, that's not small potatoes either. They're they're doing pretty well and substantially, um, at least you know. I mean, when you have a
1: three million viewer lead in, and you can you can't even make half of that. That's bad. Can't even rake in half a mil yeah like, i mean you couldn't you couldn't even rake in half of their numbers off a direct lead-in literally one minute to the next
2: with heavy advertising on with the
1: heavy advertising.
2: OK, so it goes even further. They, he he gets into the whole Dana White thing here. And you'll remember this is the uh, infamous interview that was done prior to launch. White wants slap fighting to be the next big thing. Morons, he calls his critics, pointing out that plenty were similarly dismissive of the UFC and its predecessors in the past. He says that slap fighting, as he presents it, with safety checks and doctors on hands, on hand, is safer than boxing quote, in slap, they take three to five slaps per event. Fighters in boxing take 300 to 400 punches per fight, he said, adding that if you don't like it, don't watch. He left out the fact that many slap fight participants take only one blow, and it knocks them out cold. But not only that, I mean...
1: We don't yeah. see 300 400 punch fights. We just don't unless unless it's something out of the norm. That's that's an outlier. It is not the standard. And Dana painted it like it was the fucking standard.
2: And not only that, but those guys are defending themselves. They yes. duck, they weave, they bob. You got to stand there and take it yep. when it's flat, slap fighting. But sure. Now I'm just going to give you this last little clip here. And this is, this is just, I mean, I, I gotta, I gotta hand it to him, man. He really did it on this one. Quote, white is a multimillionaire who was wielded his power to keep people defenseless under his leadership. He has balked at UFC fighters pleas for better pay. He also suffered no repercussions for publicly slapping his wife in January. Of course he's a Svengali for slap fighting, but there is no chance he would ever put himself in the dangerous, powerless position he's pushing on others. Instead, he will watch from the sideline, gleeful. Okay, so I said what I said about the guy, the writer, and I mean, look, again, I don't necessarily – the the, the tone was adequate for for the most part. Some of it was a bit of this squeamishness of, you know, oh, what will the children think? That, that that kind of thing, that really did rub me the wrong way, but that is personally just my thing here. I I mean, look, I'm sure this guy was alive when Faces of Death was around. I'm sure this guy was around during bum fights and plenty of the ar- horrible things that we live through in the aughts. Okay. I'm sure this guy has seen the beheading videos that ISIS was putting out, or at least had heard of them. There are way worse things than slap fighting. So for him to present this as you know, oh my goodness, how is this possible in in terms of our society accepting it? The societal acceptance part is the thing that I take umbrage to, but the rest of it, the rest of it is correct, and he is right that there is a problem when it comes to a major media conglomerate getting in bed with this guy who's got a track record for being scummy, who's had a track record for not uh compensating people fairly, not running the safety checks that uh you know he would at least want you to think, or you know not as adequately or as deeply as him and his crew would want you to think because remember. We hear all this mythology about how the UFC ran towards regulation in the early days. But I remember COVID. I remember them going to the defunct Tachi fucking palace Mm -hmm. to try to run an event until somebody, a higher up at Disney, had to shut it down. Okay, so let's not think that this is something here. The name of the game is not safety. It is money. And Kurt was right. It is about keeping people defenseless. It is about the first guy taking the hit, going down and staying there. This is... We've addressed the slap fighting thing. We've talked about how there's nothing sportsmanlike about it, especially not in the manner in which it's being done here where clubbing is very clearly allowed with palm strikes. So I guess the point is not, hey, is power slap bad? No, we've already dissected this. Ad nauseum. But I do have to wonder, this adds a new batch of wrinkles and caveats, because now my question is, given the fact that this is now in what is known and what is colloquially referred to as the paper of record, what do you think the ramifications of this might be? Is this actually going to be something that might hinder the progression of anything at all, uh, with, with, uh, power slab moving forward. Could this perhaps torpedo another subsequent uh, season or two? W- what do you think is going to actually result from this?
1: Well, it all depends on how they, they proceed. See New York times when it's political stuff and and they have someone in their crosshairs, they continually beat the drum. Trump, Giuliani, uh, DeSantis, any, any of the politicians, they beat the drum constantly, turn out article after article after article. How many articles do you think we're gonna see on this? This one, because they've written about the UFC in the past, they have it's been very few and far between, though. And here we have an, another article. When's the last time you can remember one that that ended up on the New York Times? It's been, Several years, probably, I don't know, since they moved from, uh, what was it, Fox to ESPN. Maybe then.
0: Maybe. Maybe it
1: was before, during the sale. It's been very, very infrequent that we get stories like this from major media outlets. And when we get them, we get one. And then they move on. They're not beating the drum like they do when they have an Elon Musk or a Donald Trump or a Rudy Giuliani or a Ron DeSantis or whoever. They have the UFC and it's a novelty. It's something to fill a space on a calendar and then they move on. So I don't think much will come out of this. I do like the light that was put on it. But basically, it's just going to give Dana more fuel to add to his stupid little fucking video. What I would like to see... Is for them to pursue it. For this person, Kurt Schreeder, who, who wrote this, to pursue it. To, to stay on it. If they're truly this indignant and this mortified with this awful non-sport, stick with it like we are. Stay on it. If you're really concerned about these people, about this girl that was struck so hard she somersaulted forward, stick with it. But I doubt that you will. Because nothing that I've seen to this moment has shown me that any major media outlet is willing to stick with it because it's not going to get them the numbers that they need. This was strictly a calendar filler. That's that's how I'm looking at this.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's ideally that's what it would be. But it's more than that, unfortunately, because, you know, it's it's given it's being given so much oxygen. You know but, I'm tired but, of this, was- and we we mentioned this on Twitter too, right? We saw the 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 um, the UFC's homepage. I mean, I just opened it before we started recording. Mm-hmm. First thing you see, power slap. I didn't come here for that shit,
1: right? And that's why I say if if the publications out here would stick with their stories and pursue them, then I might be inclined to think that some change would come down the pipe as a result of this scrutiny. But this scrutiny is fleeting. We don't see anybody stick with it. They write their story, they move on. It's a calendar filler for that publication. That's what I was trying to communicate. I think you misunderstood me. But the calendar filler isn't power slap. The calendar filler is that Kurt Streeter needed a story to fill a space in the New York times slack calendar or whatever. And this was what filled it because do you think Kurt Streeter is going to release a new story tomorrow, detailing something else uh, about power slap or you know, a week from now, this is a one-off just like all of them are every time the UFC is featured in a negative light on a mainstream media outlet. We get one article and then they move on. So I don't think anything will come of this unless they stick to it the same way they do when they have other people in their crosshairs. How many articles do we see on Elon Musk? I mean, Uh, hundreds easily. How many articles do we see from mainstream media on UFC just this week? One this month. One. This year, probably five, maybe? Only because of the stuff at the beginning of the year with Dana's wife. And very few mainstream publications even picked that up. So your question about, do I think anything's going to happen? Anything going to come of this? Nope. It's basically somebody noticed Power Slap and needed to write a story that's how i'm looking at this and no disrespect to kurt because uh you know maybe that's not the case but that's how i'm looking at it because everyone that's come before you that's put out a big story on the ufc never stuck with it so until somebody proves me wrong i'm gonna look at you the same way i look at everybody else
2: Mm. all right damn
1: what do you think i mean yeah no, I, I,
2: I ain't gonna argue with that shit you you might stab me or something
1: fuck. no 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 no, <laughs> no 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 i get what you
2: mean no it would need to, i think there need to be much more pressure i agree yeah. um yeah this, this isn't going to be one article one guy and obviously you know again the, the tone and everything i mean it doesn't seem like he's going to make this some sort of a cause for him to continue mm-hmm. to uh to pursue but let's say that other people and maybe more sure. um more more dedicated reporters that have access to um you know some of the participants and and you know really looking into the uh, manner in which this was authorized by the commission and all that if we have something a little bit more complex than that then i can see maybe there being a bit more of a concern and then eventually political pressure because again that's the only thing that will stop these guys yeah. and that's only in some of the cases right like the aforementioned tachi palace fiasco
1: I mean, who is actually covering the antitrust suit? The antitrust suit is a huge deal. Only us, only John Nash. You know, I mean, that's insane that major outlets are following along and updating this on their own. Instead, they rely on us to put the, the information out and then they co-opt our information. That's what happens, until mm-hmm. mainstream media really goes in and puts the hooks in and sticks with it, nothing is going to change about this sport at all. It's going to take two things. It's going to take the antitrust suit to actually um, play out and play out in the favor of the fighters. And that's years away. Or it's going to take mainstream media just to be dogged and stay on it and put so much attention on it that people in higher places have to look and have to have to do something. But those two things don't happen. Business as usual, status quo. Mm. So anything to add?
2: No, there goes the positivity. Shot right in the dick. Good job. <laughs>
1: And on that fine note, we're going to wrap uh, the that's show. Right. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, do me a favor follow this guy over here on Twitter at Dick M. Rodriguez. Follow Mookie on Twitter at Mookie Alexander, myself at Crooklyn MMA, the show at Level Change Pod. Victor has an amazing Instagram. Go check it out. It's Victor Sinister Rodriguez. Mookie is the managing editor over at SB Nation's Field Goals website. So go check him out there. Victor and I both still work for Bloody Elbow as we will continue to do so. So check us out there. Check out our Substack over there. It is, hang on, bloodyelbow.substack.com. Please check us out there five dollars a month and you'll get lots of really really cool content and uh other than that until next time you know the drill please stay safe just a little reminder that you could support the mma vivisection the mma depressed us and the sixth round post fight show simply by going to patreon.com with three different tiers ranging from $3 to $7, it's incredibly easy to show support to your favorite analysts, Zane, Connor, Eddie, and Phil. So if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider us. Thank you so much.
3: Is editorial writing. And um, doing editorial writing, there's always a question of, is there a squeeze on you? What do you What are you going to say? You know, do Do we have you know financial backers who are also in bed with the USC or Bellator? Or you can't say this. You can't mm-hmm. say that. And that's something that I always love about Bloody Elbow, is that, you know, it, like like for me, Bloody Elbow is like the only remaining blog. And that sounds like a diss to a lot of people, especially in a journalistic sense, but I mean it in the best way possible. Because I know for a fact that almost every person who makes a decision in this sport, whether it's someone from the UFC, from Bellator, from one championship, Rising, people who work for athletic commissions... They read Bloody Elbow every day, every fucking day. And for me, it feels kind of like the last bastion where people can, I I don't think it's the only good source of MMA editorial writing, but it feels like for me, the last bastion of MMA editorial writing where people can just be honest.
0: the Level Change Podcast. The MMA section, The Sixth Round Post Fight Show. Sixth Round Retro. The MMA Depressed Us. Crookland's Corner. Exclusive fighter interviews. Show money. Guest Podcasts. And the Hey Not the Face podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Elbow Blog. And as always, on bloodyelbow.com.
1: Thank you all for your ongoing support in our journey to take Bloody Elbow independent. Please subscribe today to bloodyelbow.substack.com. With your support, we can continue to provide you with your best source of MMA content, 24-7, 365. Thanks so much for listening.